0: you're doing well. We are on episode six and I'm really excited for this week's guest. It's going to be a great chat. It is lengthy though but we'll talk about that in a second. Let's recap last episode where I spoke with Ethan McCann from Thornhill and he said to listen to Diorama by Silverchair. Definitely not expected. Not that I expect any of the albums. I don't know what's coming but yeah I have to call myself out and I think I did in the episode a bit as well and say that I'd kind of, I don't want to say written off Silverchair but I definitely didn't try to understand their progression. Although I was a lot younger and not as open-minded as I am now. You know, the first album of theirs I heard was Frogstomp, and I absolutely loved it. And yeah, it was a product of the times. I still think it's pretty good. It's pretty cool. But Diorama was definitely a different exploration. I think it's a pretty bold album, to be honest. I mean, you start off with Across the Night. What a track. To start off an album with that is just throwing you straight in the deep end and then leading into the Greatest View, which is a bit more rockier and I guess a bit more of a throwback to the earlier stuff. I did like that. I do like that song. It's a good it's such a good track. I think all the orchestral sections were really, really well done. Just elevates it. Just makes them a little bit fancy, you know? But yeah, I also really, really loved World Upon Your Shoulders. I think those two would be my favourite ones. The Greatest View and World Upon Your Shoulders. Very beautiful. But then we get to the last song, you know, after all the other ones. But the last song really stood out, too, because I listened to it for the second time in my car. The first time doing my washing, hated washing, liked the album. But the second time I was driving and the song, after all these years, ended. And then there was just this dead air and I was like, what the heck is going on here? But, you know, I was driving, can't be touching my phone all the time. Don't want to risk that $1,000 fine up here in Queensland. So, yeah, let it play out. And then... A couple minutes go by and then the last 30 seconds, the last minute even, I think it was just a lovely little piano melody. Well worth the wait. And I think those few minutes in between just, I don't know, helps you reflect and be like, wow, not a bad album. So big thanks to Ethan for educating me on Diorama by Silverchair. Nice. Uh, Now, just a heads up about this episode. It is a lengthy one, so you'll be fine. Strap in. You're all good. And there will be some extra content probably over the weekend because we do talk about their single sleepwalking. And, you know, we get to hear how it's made, all the layering. But yeah, we screen shared on Zoom and I got to see everything. So we're going to chuck that up on YouTube so you can see it too. And let's get to it. All right. For this episode of Educate Ebony, the prog edition, I'd love to introduce Ted Furuhashi. He is the guitarist of one of Australia's exciting and well-renowned prog bands, Circles. And he's also an audio engineer, so you know he's got a great ear for sounds and details, which is exactly what we want here on Educate Ebony. So, Ted, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Ebony. This is awesome. Like I said earlier, before we started before we press the record <laughs> button, I am excited about this.
0: Yes, I'm excited too. It's great to have you. Thanks. Now you've just finished up the Sleepwalking Australian tour with some really, really cool bands. Uh, how was it being back on the road and getting amongst it all after COVID and whatnot?
1: Yeah, so our last gig was 2019, Oof. December. Yeah, so it was, it was a long time, long time. We were like pretty lucky in that sense because it was right at the end of our album cycle, mm. the last one. It's a stupid name because it was the last one. <laughs> <laughs> the album title is the last one. Um, oh. We finished up on that album cycle. We did a whole bunch of tours, which was super fun. We got to go overseas with other Australian bands like uh, Caligula's Horse, another great prog band, I built the sky. Mm. Another awesome prog band. Uh, if you haven't checked those dudes out, check them out because they're sick dudes and sick bands. And we came back and straight away we went on tour with Dead Letter Circus, another great Australian band. Yeah, they're just lovely dudes as well. But before we went overseas, we toured with Tesseract, a great, prog great metal band. And as I mentioned earlier, like uh, Chris, one of that was his album, right? Altered State. Mm. And
0: from Loon for everyone else.
1: Yeah, Chris Smith from Loon. Yeah, sick guitarist as well. Yeah, so it was it was a bit of a whirlwind 2018. And so by 2019, we did our own headline tour. Then last show was 2019 December with Opeth at the Palais, which was a huge bucket list for us. And we're like, holy shit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm <playing laughs>
1: Palais. Like... <laughs> Great. Uh, we'll take that. And since then, yeah, pandemic. So we we're just like, all right, let's just hunker down and just write the next release. And so we did. And... It was a different process this time around. We kind of went back to our original EP writing process because of, you know, if no one knows, Melbourne was like the longest lockdown city <laughs> in the world. It was like over a hundred days straight or something. So it was really hard. Being, being in a band and writing songs together was tough. So we did this, this, the Zoom thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has its own problems because if you've got the way we write, it's not like a traditional way where we're all in the same room and we're jamming out songs. It's very methodical. So usually it's just like a song idea done on the door or digital audio workstation, the program, um, like Pro Tools. But we use Cubase. Usually just write it on there. And then even with drums, we sequence it. So the drummer might go, yeah, I'm gonna play like a 4-4 beat and put the accent of the kick here and then the snare there. Let's move this verse and extend it. Let's make it another four bars. So we just chop it up and then copy and paste it. And then we go, all right, that's cool. Let's let's change the drum feel here because we don't wanna be too repetitive then we go, all right, cool. Well, what's the bass doing? Is it following the kick drum? Is it working off the guitar? What's the rhythmic kind of uh, juxtaposition here? Like those are the things that we do. But even when we're together, I'm at the helm because I'm kind of controlling all this stuff. But at the same time, I'm recording it. So it's a bit of a, personally, it gets tough for me because not only am I a producer, and engineer, I'm the person writing it and playing yeah. it and recording it. Well, if there's a full band behind me, three other members going, oh, I've got this idea. Oh yeah, I've got this idea. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. One thing at a time. I've actually got an idea. Can I put this down first? And then put the bass in, then put the drums in, then put any kind of ear candy in, then thinking about vocals. Ear candy. And it's really hard to get that all out. And it's hard for them too, to keep their mouth shut because if I was in that position, mm. I had this really cool sick idea and it's like I just want to tell you I I want to hear it I want to hear it so I feel the energy of that excitement behind me and that makes me feel guilty because I want to get my idea out first (laughs) I'm like hold up guys let me get this out first and then I start to feel guilty about it then I'm going oh I should hurry this up because I want to get to everyone and get give them a chance to put their ideas in and then I'm like well am I sacrificing my idea for this and get this whole oh
2: my god anyway
1: being in a band (laughs) is fun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh. <laughs> and especially being a creative like mm. we're the most vulnerable empathetic people like
2: yeah
1: right like how how we because of all our expression and, and this is how we express ourselves and especially through heavy music like when you think about it it's like the most purest way to do it like pure like love happiness or hate or anger or any of those kind of any the whole rainbow of emotions and if you do it in the purest way i feel like heavy music is such a great way to express those feelings Mm -hmm. and most people would think when you think of metal or like heavy music think oh anger aggressiveness that kind of thing and sure a lot of it is and they have really dark themes and stuff but those dark themes usually have a positive outcome yeah and there's a reason for it it's either a lot of bands say for example like cog Or even uh, like Loon, like Chris Chris was saying, like their singer would talk about dark themes and uh, like about climate change and stuff like that. It's like, well, it's for the good of the planet and Mm. humanity. So there is a good positive spin. It's like letting people know about these issues. We're kind of the same in our songwriting as well. It's kind of like, yeah, we're in this really dark time or dark moment, but this is what we're going to do to spin it. And then... That's usually the framework of our lyrical content and the framework of our musical content as well. And then when I think about the mix on top of that, not only creating the notes, but how am I gonna express myself through the sonics? Then I go, okay, when I think about if it's a dark concept in that verse, for example, I might use my audio engineering skills and go, all right, what sounds dark to me? not much high end, not much high frequencies, because that sounds bright and glassy and tinny and shiny. Yeah. Whereas the low end, if, if it's just kind of that low rumble, it sounds dark, it sounds ominous. Like if it's a low drone, if it's played in a legato or like in a long way rather than short notes, that creates a sense of like mystery. Like you don't know what's coming because it's mm-hmm. continuous drone. It's like, well, something's gotta come. And then like, if you automate the volume, and what I mean by automation is like programming something in to change by itself. Yeah, You can automate the volume to swell a bit louder and louder and louder and go, oh my God, something's coming because you hear the volume get louder and louder. It feels like it's coming closer to you. And that's when you can like manipulate frequencies and go, okay, well, what does it sound like if something's really close? Something with a lot of high end, but not much mid range. And then all that low end can like support it from the back. So you've got this 3D image of sound coming out and that's only to do with sound when you think about how can i express that through notes and then you go all right well i'm going to use a different interval here like instead of using a big octave like the same note but the octave above let's use a different note here let's make it dissonant let's make it uncomfortable if it's dissonant using it like Mm -hmm. an interval like a minor second i'm going into a bit of musical theory here but i'm sure a lot of your listeners are musicians but you know that like having that interval like you think about jaws Mm -hmm. right iconic do do Dude, yeah, that's and that's a that... minor second right yes and John Williams based that whole score on minor seconds so it just creates dissonance and creates tension that's like oh my god Jaws is coming like I don't know where Jaws is it's black water and I'm sure this big shark's going to come out and bite my leg off so you, that dissonance and that kind of tension creates a feeling of unease and like you know something bad's going to happen so using that concept you can choose certain notes to be able to extend that feeling or to highlight those kind of emotions so there's a lot that probably more than required
0: (laughs) you guys go so deep (laughs) so deep all. damn
1: it's prog bro it's it's gonna have (laughs) layers so that was kind of like the the concept and the idea behind the new song so this is i'm going to segue into
2: our new single yes into sleepwalking
0: and it's interesting that you say um tone it and using your audio engineering skills to like add whatever you need into there because one of the first things I noticed about that single was the tone of the guitars in like the very first few seconds I know what it is I don't have the exact musical words to say it but like I'm sure you know what I mean it's yeah it's good
1: (laughs) (laughs) awesome awesome does it give you like a sense of like like it's a wall of sound, like everything's smashing you at once?
0: Wall of sound. Represent? Wall no. Sound. Um, yes. You could feel like something was coming and I was like, oh, it's going to be like a, there's going to be a drop in here or some sort of breakdown, like you can just tell yeah. from the get go. And yeah, that came way later. I awesome.
1: Well, this will be a great segue because that, what you just said, oh, actually, can you give me... Oh no, we've got it. Yes. Awesome. Sharing privileges. Woo-hoo. I am in control. Sweet. Now you can get to edit and sync this up later. Now More work all for you. we're gonna see me in <laughs> my sorry.
0: in my big old hoodie, <laughs> with my hey, unwashed I'm in a hair
1: too. We're all just chilling.
0: Anyway, yes. So, um, alright. I'll share. I'll
1: share the screen so you are at least you're a little smaller.
0: Thank you.
1: Cool. So, here's here's the session of uh, sleepwalking, our new single. Cool. Um, cool. So, what you just were explaining there, I can actually go into our production folder and this is where I've spent a lot of time on this particular release. Um, Opposed to our previous releases is I've focused a lot more on the production and sound design and thinking about the sonics more rather than doing it all on guitar. Because previous albums, it was all guitar based or bass guitar based riffs and that's how I started a lot of the songs. And this has been my kind of way to stay fresh with each release. And I love bands that do that. Like, Carnival's a great example. Every album sounds completely different.
2: Like, yes. I, I love
1: it when bands, like, completely change their sound but do it really well. Like, Thrice is a big one. Like, I love, used to love Thrice. I mean, I still do. And then they did Visu, and they, they changed into this kind of musy, proggy kind of album. I'm like, this is sick. So my idea and what I took away from that is and also silver chair, is um starting each release on a different instrument so on the first album i wrote and started every song every idea from a guitar and a guitar riff cool. the second album oh i started every song on a bass and this time around i started everything on the keyboards oh. so a lot of this stuff is very kind of full range because a keyboard has all the way from lows to highs. Mm -hmm. Bass guitar was limited because it's all bass, right? And guitar is very limited because it's only kind of low, mid or mid to high range. So by using keyboards, I felt like I had a full range of sonics and notes and expression to be able to, to create something that's really cinematic in some points and also add a lot of ear candy and all that kind of stuff. So going into the intro of Sleepwalking, and as you mentioned, you knew you felt like something was coming, so I've got stuff like this. A Rise riser. Is
0: scary. <laughs> yeah, he rises, scary, scary rises. Are nice.
1: you getting that audio? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Great. So, we've got that audio, and <laughs> the air horn this was like <laughs> just a stupid thing that I put in as a joke, but it just stayed, and it was one of those <laughs> things that, like. It was funny to us as, as an inside joke. And then we're like, should we just leave You're it?
2: Like, Actually, it's sounds kind of like, good.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's, the pitch is completely off. The timing is completely off. It sounds like that drunken mate who comes into your rehearsal and just goes. <laughs> it's like, what, what do you hear? So that's in there. Um, and so the other elements in the mix here in the intro that help with this feeling is all of these extra drum bits. So we've got a clap a drum roll, some hats, and a snare, so I can solo each one, and the air horn, of course. So there's electronic elements, and then you've got your hi-hats, old school samples.
2: yeah.
1: Almost like a, a drum line, that kind of thing, and then the yeah. clap to really solidify the timing of it. right? That's cool. And then the actual riff, so, and this is kind of like a foreshadowing thing, so the main guitar riff, which we all know is the, this bit here, that intro riff, I just repeated on a synth. And that synth, when that riff kicks in, I pitched it down an octave to match the guitars because they're quite low. And it gave the guitar sound a bit more of a a metallic quality and a bit more of a a droney quality at the same time. So instead of using the classic guitar tone, mixing it with that synth kind of gave it a different character. And to me, it sounded a little different than like a usual guitar tone, which which is what I was going for anyway. Um, Sorry, I'll we'll go to the riff. So if you solo the That's guitar, and so then um, cool. yeah, so and over the top, you can hear that saw um, yeah s- uh, sound over it and that gives it a bit more articulation as well, which helps in the mix, when it's, especially when it's so dense, like there's so much going on in there. And this was another problem with the EP because I was alone and writing a lot of this stuff um, before showing the guys, mm-hmm. it's like, I just threw everything at it. Like all, <laughs> every idea that I had, I threw it at it. Usually when there's the bandmates behind you, they're like, oh, I dunno, mm, it's a bit cluttered much. man. <laughs> there, none of those voices were there. So I'm like, yeah, sick, just throw it all in there, throw it in there, I'll make it work and yet yielded different results also, which is cool. Another thing we can look into is the rest of the production elements in the chorus, for example, because it's pretty well stacked. So I'll mute the vocal and the production and just play what you would normally hear as a band. So drums, bass and guitar. That's what a normal band would sound like. Yes. but if we add in the production and I'll just solo the production, and these are all the elements okay. within that chorus. So we've got like a piano And the, these were used because when I thought about the actual themes of the song and the, the way I was feeling at the time, and also the, the lyrics also reflect this as well. Later on, when we we're writing the lyrics, is the whole idea of like sleepwalking and not having control. It's kind of like you're not having control and being in almost like a dream state, or being in a state where you know that something's wrong, but you're not doing anything about it, and not really realizing it until it really slaps you in the face.
2: Mm.
1: With that in mind, a lot of these sound designing things, I kind of try to make it sound a bit more dreamy. So things like these loops where. It's a piano loop, but I've stopped it and made it audibly repeat itself. Usually you can just repeat a line over and over again, but if you actually chop the waveform itself, it has this way of sounding like it's looped because there's no tail of the reverb or anything like that. So if you solo these, it kind of creates this, like a constant drone yeah. of sounds that really wrap around the extremities of the, the stereo field. So by adding reverb and stuff, it pushes these things out even further. And then that way it gives us space to put place the guitars, the bass right in the centre, the snare and the kick right in the centre, which is super important. And then all of this extra ear candy, oh piano, dreamy stuff floating around you. Uh, and then using the, the vocal or vocoders and adding in some humanity to it, but also manipulating it through sound design, kind of sounds almost like a f- oboe or like a clarinet. Yeah. But it's a, it's a vocal sample that's been manipulated, pitched up, delay and reverb on it. And all of that stuff, if you lay that on top of the normal band stuff, it really fills it out. So I'll, I'll bring it in halfway through. Especially this bit, especially this bit, like a, the post-chorus pre-verse section, like without the the production here, it's, it's going to sound super empty. Like I'll play just that bit. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool, but with all that extra stuff, it really fills out the space and gives you this all this e-candy. And then even like the repetitiveness of that breathing kind of piano sound, it almost sounds like left, right, like you're walking. Mm. More meta stuff, like sleepwalking, the sound kind of follows that idea. And then on top of that, when you've got vocals and we've gone, I went ham on the vocals because I know (laughs) this is the first release. Oh my gosh. The first release we're able to do with our new singer and writing with our new singer. The previous album, a lot of the vocals we wrote and then um, Ben amazing vocalist he's he finished it up for us so it wasn't like his initial ideas so in this time around I knew Ben's abilities and I know he's a great great singer he can pull off a lot of voices and stuff like that and we both have a similar background in like vocal um, artists and stuff we both love rich thick harmonies we love gospel we love all that stuff so I figure he knows what I'm talking about. I know what I want, so let's just go ham on it. Um, So we went nuts in the vocal production on this release. So things like vocal uh, delay throws, and what we mean by that is like just for a certain phrase, it just repeats that phrase. Yeah. So on the main vocal, we've got some delay throws. Got everything to lose and I won't back down.
0: Carrying out my heart to see what I have found
2: cool.
1: So all of those big reverb things and then we more ear candy with the pannings like down 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 yeah. left right left right it keeps things really moving and really interesting and then on top of that we've got like all of the the layered vocals because I love like fully thick pop vocal I'm a huge pop fan I'm huge boy band fans. I love harmonies and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Don't get me started. If your podcast I, was I about like boy harmonies. bands.
0: Well, maybe I'll call you back for a season when I do that. <laughs> dude,
1: you, one, one boy band episode featuring just me. <laughs> <laughs> <Double> <laughs> or just episode. us, because we love, we love it. <laughs> <laughs> so we fully stacked it. So I did like a center vocal, then this exact same thing, double track. So we've got three sets of vocals doing exactly the same thing. So you've got a wall of vocal. And then we've got our low vocal doing the octave lower. So we've got.
2: Got everything i lose and I won't back down.
1: And we've also got an octave above. So we've got three voices or three different pitches, but we've got three of the main, two of the low, and then two of the high. So that sounds like this.
2: Got everything i lose and I won't back
1: down. And then on top of that, we've got a backing harmonies, which is. These
0: guys. Out my heart To see what I have
2: found. But if I disappear...
1: And then I thought That oh found God. I really wanted to extend it That's why the delay throw's there mm. And so that sound continues While this next bit of vocal comes in Over the top And then on top of that Right at the end We've got All of them at once
2: Stop with make a say- from In the ground.
1: So with all of those vocals Damn. in there and production, it's already full. Like Yeah. Got everything to lose and I won't back down now-
0: throw,
1: throw a fall to the floor kick drum, like a oom-ts, oom-ts, behind it, you've got a remix, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I thought ahead. I thought ahead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Drop it. But that's like
1: a, a quick <laughs> breakdown. And not only that, if you go into our verse, this is where it gets super stacked. This is all of our harmonies and backing vocals. So if I kind of minimise that a little bit, you can see at one yeah, stage, it's so probably much. about like 18 vocals going at once. Yeah. And these are all backing harmonies.
2: With wall could.
1: This, is, this is like the boy band verse. Especially this um, wall I could. That was the harmony I'm like, that's the boy band harmony. I want you to hit that. <laughs> All I could. That one. Where is it? Right here. I'm ready. All I could. That is the winning that sounds- the boy band harmony.
2: <laughs> Build my mind with every wall I could. Yeah. To stop my
0: eyes.
1: I'm already thinking like dance moves and shit.
0: You are loving this. <laughs> oh,
1: I love boy bands. <laughs> but that that's wow. another like influence like yeah I listened to metal and prog and I loved all that stuff when I was younger but I also loved prince I loved Michael J- I, my dad listened to the beatles I love spice girls I went through a spice girls phase <laughs> I I'm watched the movie
2: <laughs> yeah it's oh. full on
1: so a lot of those influences are injected into this songwriting and like all the sonics and stuff I really like really lush thick Backing vocals, um, using manipulating the sense of space and sense of reverb. Um, like in the pre-choruses, there's these backing vocals here that are sent way further back in the mix. Screamo. Yeah, there's some screamos in there. Nice. Like that's really far. Drenched mm. it in reverb because I wanted the guitars and the heavy bits to be up front, but the vocal's sitting just behind it. Therefore, drenching it in reverb and there's no top end to really be close up into your face.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. But if you listen to it in the mix, you can kind of hear it, but it's really far in the background. That kind of thing. So yeah, that's a little quick, little uh, dive into our single. Um, which is cool because a lot of these things is in the production, and especially in the drop in the middle bit, I was like, this oh, could be its own stuff. song. Yeah. Which is, I'll just solo just the production here. <laughs> So yeah, I figured it would be cool to kind of show you, a, like, peek behind the curtain. And because yes. I have access to this, um, yes. it might be cool to see it and to hear it in a different way and to understand, like, why these choices were made and, like, why is the vocal in the back there? I get it because it sound you know, I might think it sounds cool, but, like, mm. there's a reason for it. There's, everything's been calculated. Like, I wanted the guitars up front because I wanted that impact coming out of the verse to really hit you in the face with that intro riff again, but I kind of wanted to add another element on top because otherwise I'll just be copy and pasting the intro. it's like, well, I've done that already. What do I want to add? What do I want to add to push the narrative of the song along and to keep things interesting? And then adding um, and keeping the same piano sample, mm. like for example, this guy here throughout the choruses, but linking it and using a similar sound, but slightly different during that, that drop riff. All those vocal samples. So it keeps a continuity in the the sense of like, oh, there's some familiarity in the sounds, but you're not really focusing in on it because what's really taking up your attention is that center vocal and the message through the song. But there's all of these supporting themes and supporting Mm. sonic properties that really um, glue the song together. And although it's short, we like short songs because we're not. I know we're a prog band and prog <laughs> stuff is always long but at the same time I love pop and I love pop structure because I know what's mm. coming, it's familiar, but I guess the element of prog we bring to it is the way that the instrumentation is being put together. So like, for example, one of our songs, it's called Echo, I can't show you because uh, we're not yeah, yeah, that's right. Blah blah blah. <laughs> but for future reference, listen to song Echo and remember this conversation. The structure of the song is very uh, strict formula. It's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, middle, chorus, end. Yeah. Very simple st- song structure. But when you listen to the song from start to finish, the dynamics of it is a very much a linear progression. The chorus, the first chorus is different to the second chorus. The second chorus is different to the last chorus. Even though the vocals are doing exactly the same thing, Bar delivery.
2: Mm.
1: Ben might be singing a bit more in a fuller voice whereas the intro chorus is singing more falsetto. And the last chorus we've laid it with an ad lib over the top, that kind of thing. So you've got the familiarity of the melody and the phrasing, but the delivery is different and the supporting instrumentation underneath it is also different. So in the first chorus it's a soft piano playing the chords of the chorus. The Second is like a big tom thing that with a for the floor kick with a bit of guitar. The last one is a full range guitar playing big thick power chords distorted while the drums are hitting harder, layered with more samples, reinforced by a kick and the snare electronically, and then the last bit is just the riff. So that linear progression in terms of dynamics is very prog, but the song formula structure is very pop, and that's where all my influences of like listening to pop and boy bands and stuff is just so, so ingrained in my psyche that when I naturally write the formula, it's always like that, yeah. but I don't want to repeat stuff because it's boring to me. I wanna keep things interesting. So that's why I choose to have different structures and like add a certain instrument here or change the the, the timbre of a a certain um, instrument a little bit. And I'll use my engineering skills, I guess, to change the sonics of it just ever so slightly so it's never the same thing. Especially in this day and age where you can easily just copy and paste stuff and go, yep, done, because that riff is sick. Let's repeat it eight times. Instead of playing it eight times, You just copy and paste it because it sounds great and it's all gridded right and Mm. super tech and it's like it has to go exactly with the kick drum so you've got to edit it so it's right at the start i get it because that's an aesthetic with certain uh, mixes and certain genres yeah but but doing it this way you do even though you do copy and paste it if you do change and automate some of the sonics of it it tricks the ear into thinking that it's different and because of like how the human brain works the human brain is wired to be able to recognize patterns So regardless of knowing musical theory or anything, if you hear a rhythm that's repeated exactly the same with the exact same frequency response, your ear's gonna pick that up as boring because you've heard Mm. it already, even though you're not consciously thinking about it. So by changing the, the sonics of it ever so slightly, and this is why real drums is a thing, because even though you're hitting it at the same velocity, you might be hitting it at the slightest different tip of the stick, you might be hitting the rim slightly, all of those variations of it are the really slight variations that tricks the ear to tell you that oh it's different it's actually a human playing it yeah. so to replicate that i would use a lot of these production things and engineering things to be able to change even if it's just one note i might flatten it a little bit or cut it off to slightly earlier or longer depending on what hit it is therefore tricking the brain to thinking that it's new even though it's been repeated so there are a few little like psychoacoustic tricks that i would use to keep the listener engaged Although it's a very basic and repetitive theme, at least it, your ear is excited because they're not exactly the same, at exact same frequencies, at exact same, what do you call it, uh, rhythm patterns.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. So oh.
1: more, more tangents. More tangents.
0: <laughs> I feel like I need to close my mouth. I've just been in like an awe. It's like really cool to learn about. So like, yeah, thank you. This is awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, what's what's the podcast called? Right?
0: Yeah, Educate Ebony, Educate <laughs> yeah. Everyone. Um, we're getting really, really well educated today. <laughs> no, awesome. yeah, that was really, really cool. Let's move on to the the meat of it. Ted, what is the one album, the one prog album, I need to listen to?
1: Okay, so, following from our conversation, I think you've already heard of Carnival, Cog, Butterfly Effect and Silverchair. Yes. The only one that you said you haven't heard of is Sunk Lotto. And I've chosen all Australian metal slash prog albums and bands because, I don't know. Because you can't
0: choose one. (laughs)
1: And I I can't choose one. So let's choose Sunk Lotto because you haven't heard of it. So what I did was I chose one song that's kind of like an instant gratification song and one song which is like my fan pick. And the first one is Empty and Alone. And this was the song that I told, told you about with the MySpace. This is the song yeah. that I dropped on MySpace. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, what happened to you, song, Claudia? You were sick back then, but now you're like, next level. So this is a song, I'll play you just like the first, first couple of bars to t- entice you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's to it. say that I feel like it feels Australian
1: right I don't That's know
0: what it is I don't, and like I Same. knew they were Australian before you know you played it obviously but like I don't know I have no <laughs> idea I can't put my finger on it but it just feels Aussie
1: could be the vocals he has a bit of an Australian twang to his vocal a yeah. little bit with the words that he pronounces mm. Ben's got that before too some people like I love the way Ben sings because he kind of sounds Australian I'm like oh really But um, I think, I think it could be the vocal and it could be the riffs too. Like, I think, I mean, this, when did this come out? This was like a long time ago, 2010 maybe? I'm guessing 2000 earlier, maybe 2008, 2009, I don't know. But it was a while ago. And if you listen to the riffs that you can tell that they had some like metalcore influences, a lot of tech influences. I'm not too sure exactly. I can't really put my finger on it, but it's sick. Yeah. What, what did you get out of it? Like, are there any reference to other bands that you can think of off the top of your head listening
0: to that first minute? The, the intro, the guitar intro, it sounds like something I've heard before, but now I don't know whether they've been inspired by something else or some other band has been inspired uh, by them. I don't know the chicken mm. or the egg, you know, which came first, but that sounded like familiar yep. from the get go. Maybe
1: um, I have heard that, them.
0: No, I don't
2: think
1: Yeah, I have. to me, that kind of sounds like uh, a tones thing.
2: That kind of sound. Like,
1: I'll go back to it. As soon as you say that,
2: yeah.
1: yeah. I think it's the application of the effect um, that we call chorus. So it's just kind of like delaying the signal by a couple of milliseconds and it creates this kind of weird warble sound. Mm -hmm. And I find that Deftones is very much, they use that sound a lot in their, well, Steph Carpenter does. If you think about, what's that, um, down again? i always call it Shut Up and Drive, not Rihanna's song. Oh,
0: yeah, no, I, I know it. Yeah, That, that intro, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That kind of strumming thing with that distorted guitar strumming thing, but it's got that chorus effect on it. Put that into your brain, and then I'll just play the sunk Lotto intro. Yeah. You
2: know what I mean? Yeah, I and do. And it has that
1: kind of stereo pan thing, and I think even the note choices is kind of like this dissonant, distorted high thing, and that's kind of like a great... It's a bit of a songwriting tool. It's like intro is kind of empty.
2: Mm. Pardon
1: the pun. Um, <laughs> empty in the, in the sense of sonic quality. So it's, there's not much low-end information. It's just this high kind of shrilly, you know, dissonant chord. And then to coming with the ba 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 And it's like really low palm muted stuff. And there's this juxtaposition of like being up there. And then all of a sudden you've got this full range of frequencies with the low end of the toms slapping. And then you've got the guitar pumping. And then the bass following that with the toms. So you got this full wall of sound playing all the same notes and supporting it with all the, the low frequencies and stuff. But it started off with that little really thin sound. It's like it's a bit of a trick that I guess a lot of songwriters would use. I like to call it the fake out, which is like actually use fake out in another way, but a fake out in the sense of like, oh, we're doing this, and like, oh actually no, we're doing that.
2: Yeah. And you get <laughs>
1: it's like what? So that's that's one of the songs. If that kind of grabbed you, mm. Sunk Lotto album, Between Birth and Death, it's called. And you should probably listen to it anyway, just as a an education in Australian heavy music. It's it's an iconic album, and I don't think it gets the recognition that it deserves, because every musician that I talk to that's in the heavy scene, and if I mention Sunk Lotto, they're like, bro. Really? <laughs> you know? So then
0: where have I been? Well, obviously, you know, I'm still learning. Uh, I've... No music, no. So, this is coming off really weird, but like, obviously I've just never heard of them and I don't know why.
1: Man, I get that all the time too. Like someone will show me something on Spotify and they'll be like, oh, have you heard this? Like the new album from so-and-so? I'm like, I've oh, never heard of them. It's like, And they'll be like, oh, you haven't heard of X band? I'm like, yeah. no. I'm like, oh, how can you not? You've been living under a rock? Like, I'm like,
0: I don't know. So, <laughs> no one's ever like introduced me to it before. And it's just, except for today, which is a great day. So, I get yeah. it.
1: I've I've figured you out, Ebony. Oh, this is just—it's <laughs> like yeah, it's work, but you're just getting recommendations from people. That's I pretty it. much am.
0: Yeah, you see see right through I me. I like <laughs> have a great I time. Like <laughs> no, so I agree.
1: I I'm, I'm with you on this.
0: <laughs> good, good, good. So then, obviously, when you first heard this, uh, twelve years ago, you know, you didn't know what you know now. Like you you can pick it apart amazingly and just hear like every single layer. So when you first heard it. What were your initial thoughts?
1: Uh, initial thoughts, listening to the album the first time. I actually went to JB Hi-Fi, I was pumped to buy it on CD nice. for the kids out there. Nice. <laughs> the compact disc at 44.1 kilohertz. Um, <laughs> I went to JB to buy it because I heard the songs on MySpace I'm like, this album is going to be amazing. So I went to JB, bought it, chucked it in my car, obviously couldn't, couldn't wait tore open the plastic. I think I actually broke the you know you know jewel oh, cases and you yes. get too excited about opening them and you open them too far. Yep. I did that. I snapped the whole thing off. I'm like, oh god damn it. I just <laughs> I ruined the C D, but who cares? I or well, the case, sorry, let's just chuck it in. I didn't leave that car park for three hours. I listened to the album all the way through three times just in the car park. People would have thought, Is this guy dealing drugs is or something? Like he has been here cranking head music, banging you know, in head headbanging yeah <laughs> for like three hours straight and the staff would probably leaving closed and shop but But yeah, I was in complete awe. At the time, I was listening to a lot of, probably, yeah, like just off the back of like Alive or Just Breathing, like a lot of Killswitch Engage, 36 Crazy Fists. It's just coming out of the emo stuff, I guess. I was listening to a lot of uh, like Say Sin and like, there was an album that I was obsessed with for a while, like Matchbook Romance and like Funeral for a Friend, Mm. that kind of stuff. Like I was into it. And and then hearing that, coming out of that was just like, well, this is a type of aggression that I haven't heard, well, especially from these guys before. And they open with a song called Five Years of Silence. And it just comes in with this huge Tom beat. And then it just ramps up. And it's just like 100 right from the get-go. I'm like, whoa, this is, this is going to be a journey. So when I first heard it, I was in complete awe. I was like, how? what happened to these guys in five years? Because they were young. They were like 16 or something when they released their first kind of breakthrough single and played Big Day Out and were the next b- biggest thing, Decent. then they went on hiatus. So something must have happened and then come back five years later and just threw this thing out. Mm. I'm like, holy shit, what happened to you guys? Because before it was very, not pedestrian, but like it was heavy, but it was groovy and it was cool. And you can tell that they were good musicians, even though they were like 16 or 17 at the time. Yeah. But five years later, I don't know what happened that five years where the drummers just injected something into his brain and just absorbed every drummer's like skills. In five years and just kind of came out and go yeah I can do this now and just did all this crazy tech stuff that one I couldn't figure out and then and two like all the tones were just really aggressive and the kick drum was super super clicky and like right up in your face and like probably wasn't like the most complete mix I guess in terms Mm -hmm. of like sonics but at the same time the mix was really suited to the music and that's at the end of the day what's special it's like yeah, you can get the, the million-dollar producer at the time and then get them to do a sick job because they're, sonically, they're great. But I think the magic lies in finding the right producer who's passionate about the project and understands what the band is going for. Like, if you listen to the music there, like, it's aggressive, it's angry. I wouldn't put, like, a nice polished mix like I did with, like with Sleepwalking, for example. Yeah, sure, that's kind of big and big bass and stuff, but if I applied that mix to this song, it would not work. Yeah one the kicks are too fast the snares like super fast as well if i applied the same eq and the same presets that kind of thing you would get a lot of this low-end information wobbling around it would just sound really muddy and not clear whereas this is nice and slappy really cut through the mix really sharp so you can hear these intricacies in his drumming intricacies in the guitar work and even the spit that's coming out of the guy's vocal and that's what what makes those aggressive sounds really aggressive. It's like hearing that spit. Yeah. I don't want to hear like someone singing really softly and like in, a, in an operatic way to this music. I want to hear someone spitting right in my ear telling me how angry it is, you know, that kind of thing. And that in itself, just by the sonics, even if I didn't even know the song, the sonics would get me and go, I feel this. And so, yeah, sorry, long-winded answer, but it was sick.
0: No, yeah. Ah, oh, that's actually insane i almost don't remember if i ever heard an album for the first time and can remember where i was what i was doing i i mean for this podcast yeah definitely can because it's very intentional but Mm. i feel like for other albums that i've listened to when i was younger and growing up not the first time but i can remember when it became like important
1: yeah we usually these are are the things right these these are the connections that you make with songs and music when you're going through those developmental stages in your Mm. brain it's like you may have been I don't know, happy or sad or whatever you were at the time or something that happened, like maybe you were going into year 12 exams and you were using music as a study thing and that new Metallica album came out or that new Slayer album or new Dream Theater album came out and you yeah, just had on repeat while you're studying for exams. And that instantly, yeah, like that messaging going into your, what do you call it, the, the, the amygdala and your hippocampus and all the things <laughs> that are connected to your memory that connects to music and sonics. They're the things that talk to each other and attach to those memories. Mm. So, like when you think about that, like just when you ask that question, it's like, "Oh, do you? What was? What did you feel when you first listened to it?" And I could recall that story instantly and know what yeah. I felt. I knew what the weather was like. I knew exactly what make of car I was in. I know which uh, which car park that was. It was three from the left, like oh in, at JB God, Hi-Fi. Dan. Like I remember. <laughs> I have this weird thing with my memory, like. I remember so many insignificant details, but never the, the important ones. <laughs> <laughs> like, we have these like chats every now and then after rehearsal about like oh, if something comes up to do with tour or something, and then someone mentions, oh, I remember that time we were in here, we did that on tour. And I could tell you random details like, I think someone said, I oh, remember that gig when someone jumped off the balcony and like it was really dangerous and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I remember that. And I would say, oh yeah, that was the day when I put that 20 cent piece in the parking meter because it took a bit longer. <laughs> so insignificant but I remember those details and i like yeah I remember I had to cross the road a couple of times because there was there was some kind of uh, fair going on and like we had to navigate through it and like they're like how do you remember that shit like so insignificant but I remember all these details but not the important ones like oh I don't remember the guy jumping off the thing wow yeah. you
0: need to write a book <laughs> just being like what happened on this day well I don't know about for you but for me I put a twenty cent <laughs> yeah, <yeah>. piece in <laughs>
1: wild but yeah they're they're the things especially like from tour because i'm in a different environment kind Mm. of every or different place every day the environment's very much the same it's like venue bus venue bus but yeah but in between yeah all those little details like especially on our first tour it was like a van tour where we're just left to our own devices like here are the dates get yourself there." there yeah yeah and because we're a diy band we didn't have management we managed ourselves until the last album Mm. i think so we organized we didn't have a tour manager we didn't have any of that stuff so we made a lot of mistakes we lost a lot of money <laughs> but we learned along the way and the like the first tour was in a van supporting um doing your escape plan mm. and so they just gave us all these dates and they were like cool see you there and like, oh, <laughs> so wh- who do i call to organize a van i don't know how to, to hire a van in in france or in paris like who do i call so obviously looking it up on internet yeah. going you know, tour bus or tour van that sleeps three with some gear space, you know? So we started Googling and like, oh, the Netherlands in Amsterdam, they've got this cool bus looking thing with an automatic door and you can drive it on like a regular license, maybe we'll get that. And we thought, oh no, but we've already booked our flights and we're flying into Charles de Gaulle in, in Paris, in, in France, sorry, and moving into Paris to do our first show. So how do we get the van from Amsterdam then? And we're like, oh damn, we should have booked the van first instead of our flights. But at the time, we're like, we need to book flights because we need to to book them while they're cheap.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, oh, where are we flying out of? Oh, we're flying out of UK, so we've got to book out of Heathrow. It's like, well, it's really expensive there. Let's go to Gatwick. Like, we do that. And it's like, well, all right, how how are we going to do the van thing? So we're like, oh, we'll just just get one from from England. then halfway through, we're like, oh, but we're flying into Paris, right? (laughs) So we ended up calling our label and getting their intern to... Use his, uh, we set our license, but he used his license as the booking so he could drive it from UK, Camden in UK, jump on the ferry with the van, ferry to Calais, uh, and then drive to Paris to meet us when we fly in. So it was like oh all of these moving God. parts and we're like stressing on the planes like, please work, please work. We, we don't want to be that band, and especially a band like Dillinger who's been doing it for so long. We don't want to be that new band that rocks up and goes sorry we're late we couldn't organize the event they're like we don't want to hear it mate just no. get up on stage and do your thing yeah so we were super stressed and it's like all right well actually our first show was in Bordeaux so it was like a three or four hour drive to Bordeaux as soon as we landed so I was like well um let's go to the the hostel that we booked and so I because while I was doing all the um the routing and stuff and our drummer's wife was kind enough to book all of these hostels for us she booked it it was all good. Got the confirmation email. So when we rocked up there, they were like, uh, who is it under again? And so we quoted her name and quoted our name and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, no, nah, sorry. I think you've been double booked. So here we are in Paris on a cobblestone uh, street where it's only wide enough to just fit our van, which is seven metres long, mind you, and like three metres high. So we couldn't park it anywhere. It's Paris. Like you can't. Yeah, we don't no. even know how the street signs make. Are we going to get a ticket? Like, or should we just sleep in the van? I don't know. So we ended up just going, screw it, let's just drive. Let's just start driving. And we drove from like three in the morning all the way to, I to, can't remember when it was, like 10 or 11 in the morning. And then halfway through to Bordeaux, we found a truck stop. We're like, let's get some food here. Let's just sleep in the van. So the first night we just slept in the van rather than, and that's after, you know, pretty much 48 hours of traveling from Australia. And like, we were just running on fumes and like pure adrenaline at that time. But <laughs> then, then, another reason of like, or another example of me just remembering these yeah, random random, random like, yeah, random things that happened. And this was in 2013, so almost <laughs> 10 years ago. And my brain is pretty cooked right now, as in like these days, because I'm getting old and I'm forgetting. Random, I forget my keys all the time. I'm starting to do that shit now. But I remember these obscure details.
0: But that's cool, yeah. though. It makes for a good story. Like people <laughs> yeah. who don't live your life or live a musician's life, We have no idea about this sort of stuff so
1: exactly right and and that's another thing that like i I took for granted or at the time like Mm. i came back from tour and i've told this story heaps to other friends it's like when you're that musician and you see your friends and your peers and other stuff and other people sorry um going on with their lives like Mm. we've missed so many of of our friends weddings our you know friends babies being born a whole bunch of these events we've missed because of touring or like, you know, engagements that we've got, band engagements. So that kind of sucks. It feels like you're never really progressing in life. And I think that's a major issue with bands that kind of quit, not quit, but like they, they disband because they're over it. They just don't want to tour anymore or like they're just over being in a band. And they go, all right, I've done this thing for X amount of years, most likely more than a decade. And well, what have I got? To show for it like I'm, I'm still renting I'm, or or because of financial reasons you might be living at your parents because I'm, I haven't been home so what's the point of having a house and paying rent if I'm going to be away yeah. so you might come back to your parents house and you might be getting to your late 20s and like and all your friends have started have, have mortgages and like started a family and all these life things and then you sit in there going well yeah, I've done the touring and stuff and I had fun but like what, what now and then you get you fall into this black hole of despair and thinking like what have I done with my life and you have this crisis and I think that happens to a lot and that obviously mm. that spiral of depression you know you just that that starts to happen and you're like well how do I dig myself out of this I need to start doing something so I came with a came back from that tour and, and telling my friends and like, a lot of friends were like oh how was it like you must be living that rock life you're traveling overseas and doing all this cool stuff and I'll come back and I'll be like complaining about all the stuff that went wrong because a lot went wrong and they were like And the thing that resonated with me and a friend of mine who's an air traffic controller, he goes, um, my main gripe was I took a personal loan out to do the tour Mm. and I was in a lot of debt. So I was like, oh, I've been all this debt there. Like, how are we going to pay it back? We're going to do so many shows to do it. And it was like, dude, I'll gladly pay $30,000 to experience what you experienced. It's a pretty much once in a lifetime thing. Even if it's just once, going overseas once to, to perform original music that came out of your brain, out of into your fingers and then threw an amp out to the world. Just that alone got you overseas in front of other people that appreciate what you did. Man, that's insane. I'm like, yes, you're right. Even if like two people came to the show, I'm stoked because they appreciate me not only coming over or us coming over and performing what we've done, but something I've written Out of thin air, just because I felt a certain way and they felt the same way. And instantly, whether you don't speak English, whether you're not a huge fan of their music, you came to that show. So instantly we have a rapport. There's there's a communication there that's unspoken. Mm -hmm. We don't need language to be able to express that. So instantly when I see that person at the merch desk or whatever after, we've got so much to talk about. Or even if it's just taking a photo, it's just smiles everywhere and big hugs because I'm like, thank you so much for listening and giving us your valuable time in your life to spend three minutes listening to something that came out of our brains, it's nuts. So we're always very, very grateful for that. And that was a really important lesson early on to be able to kind of feel like you're worth something. You build up a fair bit of self-worth and to be able to acknowledge that is really important. And I think a lot of people who do finish up doing band stuff and they're looking for something else to do and find a new passion is don't ever discount what you've achieved. And it doesn't matter if you don't get overseas, even if it's just going to Sydney to play a show. Because before that overseas trip, I was stoked to play in Sydney or to play in Adelaide. I'm like, we're not in Melbourne, guys. Like, this is crazy. (laughs) There's someone interstate that heard our music and came to the show and paid $10 to see us. That's wild. And so yeah, we've never taken anything for granted because those are the kind of things that we come back and remember Mm. and take note. And like, we did it. It's nuts. (laughs) That's
0: crazy. Well, to circle back to St. Claude, do you reckon that's maybe an aspect they considered after they dropped their first album and they were super young, obviously haven't finished schooling at 16, 17. Maybe they have, but, you know, you never know. Do you reckon that hiatus they took until their what, early 20s, maybe that was like, cool, let's go to school, finish that off, maybe go to uni, get started mm. in there, and then we'll revisit it and we've grown and we've learned and, you know, we can vote and we can drink and now we're adults and we've learned a bit more. Maybe that, like, influenced their second album?
1: Yeah. Potentially, yeah. I reckon. I reckon you're spot on there. Like maybe being so young, you don't have those life experiences, and you don't have the, I guess the, the awareness to know what's actually happened and what's yeah. actually happened to and what you've experienced. Like in at the time, because it's, it's you're just running on adrenaline, especially when you jump on stage. Well, for me anyway, like I, I rarely get nervous or hardly. I never get nervous before shows, but I do get nervous energy. Like, mm. I can't wait to get out there and do my thing. But I think with those kind of uh, feelings, I reckon they may have taken that for granted because they had such a quick, like, shot up in terms of, like, popularity really quick or what perceived to be really quick. And being so young as well, I'm sure the label would have gone, here you go, this is, like, the next product. This is the, the next, you know, silver chair. So they probably would have felt some kind of weight on their shoulders as well i reckon being they would have seen red articles and stuff going oh the next big thing the next silver chair and that yeah maybe pressure yeah pressure maybe also fed into why they did a full kind of 90 degree or 180 degree turn to write something not silver chair like the furthest thing from silver chair mm. like it's heavy like it's super heavy it's super riffy and super tech it's completely different to what Silverchair were doing at the time, which is most likely Diorama or Neon yeah. Ballroom.
2: Yeah.
1: Completely different. So that that could probably been a reason for that. It almost like trying to prove themselves. Like everyone would have gone, you're young, you're young, you're young. Is like, all right, let's prove them wrong. Let's play and be tech and be heavier than any of our peers who are in their mid-20s, you know, who are touring constantly. So yeah, I reckon that's, I reckon you're spot on there.
2: That's cool.
0: Well, how, because... It's prog, but if they've gone heavier and everything, what are the prog elements in this that you like, or what makes you still say, yeah, this is prog? What do you think?
1: Uh, man, to be honest, I think that label prog is it's difficult to encapsulate into one yes, example.
0: It's very broad.
1: Um, <laughs> it is. And, well, you tell me, you, you studied it, right? We oh, did a whole semester, yeah, did. trimester on it.
0: Yeah. For those listening, that episode comes out. Episode seven. Oh, next week, next week, guys. Oh. <laughs> no, so um, but in terms of what is prog, I think very broadly speaking, it can be any element that's sort of not meant to be there. I don't know, like I'm talking mm. any sort of different instrument, time signature, just something that's quirky and off and odd. But then mm. it can also be progressive in other means as well. But I think it's super hard to define, which is why I talk to you guys, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you guys yeah, tell me what, what you think. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think yeah, I think you're completely right. I think the the word prog and what it means to use in the eye of the beholder. I think
2: mm.
1: anyone who listens to prog, and you can say, oh, what's your favorite prog album? You can go anywhere from Dream Theater to Sunk Lotto to all the the albums that. To know, Silverchair, State. yeah, Silverchair. Like I, I still think that's very, very much prog. Diorama is progressive because yeah. you're not expecting these twists and turns and like especially diorama because it paints a really really vivid picture well for me like I, I listen to the vinyl sometimes and light some candles I get <laughs> really with this. if I ever want to escape anything that's the perfect soundtrack for it if mm-hmm. I go on a long drive I will listen to diorama because one I will sing along to it in my car um, and two it just takes me out of everything and it's also cool because it's not metal or it's not pop, pop, pop either. And I love all those things. This is its own thing. Like, Silver Cherry is its own genre. And I love that about the band. And I love bands that can do that. Like, very few bands can do that. It's like, like I feel like Carnival did that in a sense of like, they redefined modern prog, almost. Yeah. Like, they've, they've incorporated the heaviness because they started with the, like, heavier stand. They I think originally they were kind of more new metalish that kind of vibe. And then they did The and... It was more tech and a bit more prog based. And they'd sound awake, and they went prog, prog.
0: Yeah, they did. That was amazing. But they
1: still had elements of heaviness. Like the the one, the two tracks that I chose for you actually for, was Goliath and Umbra. So Goliath yes. was my the hook, and Umbra was my sinker. I think Umbra, when you listen to it a few times, you start to hear things and go, oh my god, that's amazing. That just blew my mind. Whereas Goliath, you listen to it start to finish and go, that song is sick yeah. straight away. But and then when you do a deeper dive into Goliath, you go oh they've done this here and then oh my god it's even better now so i feel like goliath is the instant gratification hook and umbra is definitely the sinker mm. but like, that that's another a, a huge you know part of the, the huge scope of prog so me personally mm. i think prog is when i think of prog you'd have to mention like either if it's modern prog or like classic prog like if you say classic prog i would put old dream theater like seventies, like f- yeah, or like Rush and stuff yeah. like that. You know, Pink Floyd, prog, hell yeah.
2: Literally. I feel
1: like Tesseract. When because you, you're familiar with Tesseract now, like, yeah, I feel like Tesseract is the modern, modern gent version of Pink Floyd.
0: Ooh, I see that.
1: In in, in terms of yes. Sonics as well, like they do all the soundscapey stuff really well, and they mm. can get really dreamy with bits. Like I'm not talking in terms of strictly musical linkage there. It's more so, like, in the way they present their music. Like, it's very calculated. It's very, you know, they do it in big blocks. Everything has a... You know, they revisit motifs. They mix things in a, in a certain way. And, up. and that, even that album, Altered State, probably my favourite Tesseract album, apart from maybe Sonda. It's starting to get up there now. Mm-hmm. Sonda's actually really cool. King is probably my favourite track. Holy shit, what a song. But going back to Altered State, that, that as a whole, like, you listen to the sonics of it and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. Ackle, because Ackle does his own productions as well, uh, and I took a lot of uh, inspiration from Ackle, and not so much like the Sonics and the way he engineered it. It's more so like the way he approached music and the, how creative he was in utilising the guitar, especially, in a certain way. Not like every other band that was around that time. You've got your peripheries and like monuments and those kind of bands that have got that really precise guitar tone. They also have that, but they use it in a different way. It's not so much relying on the low, low seven-string stuff. They use a lot of higher notes, but they let the bass really speak in the low end. And so those are the kind of things that really kind of sparked my uh, inspiration and, and picked my ears up a little bit. I was like, oh, that's that's kind of different. It's, it's, very much gent- it's very much that kind of era of music, but they're doing it different than every other band, and I like that. So I think... I mean, coming back to the whole prog thing, to me, prog is, yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's something that's a bit different and they use themes. I think a couple of things with it, with prog is like, they go deep. They go yeah. deep into their songwriting. They go deep into their themes. They go deep into their lyrical content. They go deep with their song conceptual stuff, like even like song title ordering, like the album, uh, songs on the, on the album and what order they go in. Mm. I think a lot of thought, goes into it i think with prog the songwriters probably put way too much thought into their art <laughs> but i think that's what prog is
2: yeah. like
1: you go it's not so much like oh, i'm writing this to please the masses i'm writing this because i want to create a piece of art and i think that's what draws or well, drew me into prog was like it's not your cookie cutter stuff even though i do love pop again i read it i love pop music <laughs> but it has its place and prog also has its place when i feel like getting deep and listening to something that someone's created out of their, their mind and really express themselves, I will listen to prog. If I want to if I want to feel good and just want to dance around my house by myself and sing along to a pop song or sing along to something, then I'll listen to pop because it puts me in a nice mood. I, I love the latest Silk Sonic album. Like, holy shit, what an album. I love Leon Bridges' album. I love Michael Mayo, who's more of like an R&B singer. But like, uh, I listened to the latest Katy Perry album. Loved mm. it. Ariana Grande, love it. Like, I love all this pop stuff. So when I feel like listening to that, it's more so, oh, I, want, I feel like a little pick-me-up. I want to listen to a yeah. short three-minute song that kind of changes my mood a bit. But if I'm sitting down on the couch and I've got like a couple of hours spare at the end of the day or when I'm just relaxing and go, I want to listen to something that really takes me away, then prog all the way, for sure. Ooh,
0: nice. So then what's your... Um we had the, the hook song. What's your sinker song for Between Birth and Death? Uh,
1: it's called Soul Worn Thin. It's the last song mm-hmm. on their album. And that's probably the most proggiest song. And I think that's why I chose that as well. And I chose it for you because it's most proggy, Most, <laughs> most proggie. Um Proggy in the sense of song structure. Cool. Uh, proggy in the sense of dynamics as well. So when you listen to the song, you hear it. It was just ebb and flow all, all the way to the end and then they'll go to a completely different section where they go, they do a weird timing thing. The drums will play, I think the song's in three, and then the drummer plays in four for a little bit of a, a section in the middle there. Very prog. When you start to bend the meter and you're doing some kind of you know metric modulation or any of those kind of um, more advanced kind of rhythmic concepts,
2: mm.
1: I think that's instantly into prog land. Whenever I, if I write something and show the band and it's not 4-4 the band's like, oh, we're not really prog anymore, man. Oh. Like, no. <laughs> we don't want to be prog, but I was like, okay, well, this is where this is where my brain went. It was like, cool, we all like prog, mm. but as an identity for the band and the new music that we want to write and perform, I don't want to be sitting there thinking about, all right, this is 9, 8, this is, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, these notes are really important, so I've got to nail this. I don't want to be thinking about that live anymore. I just want to rock out and just play something really simple, but... F- Feel the energy coming back to me on stage. That's yeah. all I want. I don't want to be stressed. So we're like, cool, let's write simpler songs. And you probably hear this in the new EP. Everything's very, very straightforward. Like everything's in four or three, like one time signature throughout the whole song. There's no song above four minutes 30. They're all just pop bangers. Like That was the <laughs> that was the, the mission statement for the, the new release. And so the prog elements are those things that I talked about earlier mm. on. It's like how I create the sonics how do i push the narrative along without being obvious yeah and they're the things that i think is applicable to prog because on the surface level it's like yeah cool you got a nice hook you got some riffs cool the song's great but deeper and deeper there's layers and layers and layers of metadata that i've kind of snuck in there through either the sonics through through the songwriting like i mentioned before with that other song that goes in a linear progression but the formula is the same
2: mm.
1: that just yeah that explanation is it. The prog is in the songwriting, um, not so much the end product. And I've always talked about this is like, I feel like when you listen to songs, you're only hearing like the way the song, the way I envisage the song being written is like all the ideas fall into this funnel. Yes. Everyone throws their ingredients in there and then right at the end, you get this one little drop of this concentrated <laughs> song and then that's all you hear. So it's a perception thing. Like as a, a song listener, I just hear the finished product and it's my job, not my job, but my hobby to be able to break into it and go, Mm. they did this here. I reckon they did it a more simpler way than they made it more like different or like they changed this here and then they've gone to a different key there. So I reckon they would have written this first and then gone backwards. And I start to think about these things as a songwriter and go, try to decode or deconstruct the song and think about the decision-making along the way and see if I could apply that to my songs or if it applies to a certain situation that I'm in so if I'm ever in like a rut or if we get to a section of a song that we're writing that we like, what next I'll be like oh let's I know this this band did this and sure we might be ripping them off but the the key is we're not ripping off the riff or the song we're ripping off the concept yeah or, as I say, I'm not ripping off because it sounds bad. We're, we're <laughs> borrowing the concept. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the concepts are very universal, though. It's just that they've applied it to that particular riff, so yes. it's always going to yield different results. Yeah. So going back to the final idea, what I find super interesting is what ingredients were thrown in at the start. Sure, at mm-hmm. the end... It's this concentrated flavors of like, oh, I can taste a bit of broccoli here. I can taste a bit of like tomato or like a capsicum here. Oh, they've definitely thrown in an olive there because I can, there's a bit of a a pit stuck in my teeth. Or like, you know, I'm using this food analogy too far. But but thinking about it that way is a great way to think about it because like, what I want to know is where were those, not only what ingredients were in there or what vegetables were in there, I want to know where the vegetables were grown. I want to know who grew them, what farmer how was the farmer feeling when they when they grew this cucumber i want to be able to trace that flavor of that cucumber from that condensed you know flavor and trace it all the way back to that farmer and that seed that he planted you know the previous year or whatever yeah that's what i want to know in terms of music and like prog songs and deconstructing these songs i find that super interesting so like just like i've done with this interview like I lo- this is what i'd love to see like to see the songwriter and go this is like this isolated because I thought about this when I was writing it and this supports this idea and Mm. this idea is a part of a bigger concept and this bigger concept is part of an even bigger concept of the release because that plays a small part in this three, uh, like just say if you've got five songs in one section of an album, go this is part three of a five song thing and then the second half is another five and then this idea is revisited in the ninth song but it's done in a different key or if it's done one note different to change the emotion behind it because you're resolving this idea that you planted in song three, that kind of thing. If you, yeah. and that's why prog albums, you got to listen to start to finish, and that's why pop songs 100%. don't work that way. I never listen to a pop artist album from start to finish. I only listen to selected songs because I just that instant gratification thing. But with yeah. prog music, I would listen to it from start to end, and that's the way it's they intended to be consumed. And there's that big remember that thing with like Adele and her release with Spotify.
0: Yes. Oh, and yes, it, because she made them take off the shuffle when you press play on an album.
1: Imagine the Prog album people like oh. don't put it on shuffle, dude. There's, there's a reason why we did this album from start to finish. Like it, yeah. each song flows and you know, so that that whole concept, like that and that's why prog albums should be consumed from start to finish and that's why I buy vinyl.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, this is interesting. It's going to lead to my next question because with the first season it was metal and the listening notes you know you could really almost do anything to a metal album and you know people said you could work out you can go for a run you can go do this you can go do that but with a prog album i don't feel like you can do that like i feel like you have to sit down and concentrate and take it all in it's
1: it's kind of like i I totally agree with you because it's like okay so it's like your friend calling you and say Oh, come over. We're going to watch this new new action movie that's come out. Come over and we'll watch it. And go, yeah, cool. You get excited. You go over, and they're halfway through the movie, and okay. it's like, well, I'm seeing this great climactic scene of where this where Bruce Willis is jumping out the window, and there's this big explosion behind him, and the helicopter's flying down, and it crashes right next to him, and the fins are like whizzing past his face, and like, oh my god, this is sick. But what's the point in seeing this climactic event when there's no context? Mm. And that's, I think that's exactly what you were just talking about. It's like without the context, then those moments don't really mean as much. Yeah. And like, if you would have seen the movie from the start, let's bring it back to music. When you, If you want to listen to the album right at the start and gone on that journey, you would have noticed these motifs or like revisits to certain songs or like a lyric that's repeated and go, oh, okay, they've done this but they've sung it in a different key or they've sung it an octave higher. So it means that the, the narrative is, is pushed along a little bit more. This, the story that they're telling has you know, an arc. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally agree. Prog albums always start to finish if you can. And you can't just – I never listen to a prog album to work out. I have a very – actually, to be honest, <laughs> I, have a, I have a playlist and all my friends know about it because it's sick. It's an 80s montage that if I ever go to the gym, or if well, I don't go to the gym, but if I ever work out, because um, I don't, I feel so self conscious at gyms, I don't like being around the gym. So if I do it, it's usually on my own. So yeah. that way I can just crank my 80s montage music. It's sick. So I feel like I like an 80s montage training
0: Doing the bicep.
1: Training scene. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, <laughs> that's all I think about. I just think about like Van Damme and like all those classic 80s yeah. action heroes doing their thing. But yeah.
0: Oh my God. So how do I listen to Between Birth and Death by St. Clotto?
1: You can, one, jump on Spotify, obviously, mm-hmm. two, go to one of their gigs. I think they're sold out, but hopefully they tour again because I'm actually flying to Brisbane just to see them. But if you can, they don't have vinyl for it and I'm gagging to get the oh. vinyl for it. I think the whole new run of shows and the, the, the uh, them coming back onto the scene hopefully means more vinyl because if you're on a tour, you might as well sell some vinyl, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, literally. So, and if they do, I'm buying it. So hopefully they'll do a vinyl. And if you can, if they do release it, I recommend you buy it because it's just one of those albums that I, every song is a banger. Right? Mm. It's just one of those albums. But yeah, Spotify is probably the easiest way.
0: Yeah, 100%. And if you want to
1: support the artist, get to the show.
0: Oh, definitely. And so in terms of like listening notes, obviously a full album start to finish. No worries about that. Headphones on in a certain mind space, in the dark, going ah, for a yes. walk time of day. Yeah. I don't know we can get real specific. I know you like specifics. <laughs> this is
1: a cool album, right? Cuz this one you can. So this is one of my exceptions. Like I feel like this album I'm just looking at this song listing. This album, yes, you can you can listen to start to finish as you would a prog album. But this is one of those albums that you can just hit a song and go, "Let's go."
2: Wow. And it's
1: still good. I suggest listening to it from start to finish. Yes. Just to respect the way that they've ordered the songs, but as soon as you listen to track one, you're just like, I'll play it right now actually. Even just the first 10 seconds. it's just like let's go i can't <laughs>
0: like, you can't sit down for that that's like i gotta nah. be moving not yeah. at the gym so that's I, too i can't focus as much yeah like, maybe
1: walking De- definitely if you're going for a walk yeah. for sure if you're going for a run for sure if you're hitting the bag if you're doing any kind of boxing for sure any kind of Ooh. physical activity for sure um maybe if you're riding a bike great for man it's just good for, it's just one of those albums i could listen to this falling asleep to put me to sleep, I can listen to it. It's just one of those albums I can just, I know it so well, I could air drum the shit out of it. Even though I don't yeah. know, I wouldn't be able to play any of it, but I can air drum the shit out of it. Um, I know every lyric, I know every melody. Sometimes I even harmonize, you know, I'm sure people do that stuff, like harmonize a line that's not even there. You know, yes. <laughs> and just pretend that you're in the band and go like, yeah, cool, I can do that. Yeah, so they've got a couple of standout tracks that are like a bit more accessible and you'll be able to hear them straight away. But I'd highly recommend, yeah, doing some kind of physical activity. I think that's, I don't think you'd be able to help yourself. You'd probably hear it and no. start, if you're just sitting on the couch in the dark, you listen to it and you probably start bopping your head and you. you know generic. what, I feel like getting up and doing something.
0: Yeah. Oh, mm. nice. I like yeah. that. Awesome. I know we are going to wrap this up soon, but I do want to touch on the other albums that you mentioned are your phase for Australians. So did you want to give us the, the hook song and the singer song for those albums?
1: Absolutely so i'll start from the top so for carnival the hook i'll use the hook and sinker analogy because i think john from carnival the bass player actually used this analogy for sound awake oh. he mentioned that the was the hook and sound awake is the sinker so it's one of those albums that you listen to all the way through and be like yeah it's all right and then well for me personally when the album came out i was like oh there's a couple of songs like goliath i'm like yeah they're, they're cool they're cool. The other songs are like, mm, yeah, they're a bit different. But I kind of was hoping for Thermata Part 2 mm, because it was yeah. such a great album.
2: Yeah.
1: And then I heard it and was like, yeah, it's cool. And then I listened to it a few times. And then it took me a year and a half. And then for some reason, it just hit me. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is
2: the, the album best
1: ever. album ever. Like, it's perfect. It's all. Oh, it's almost perfect. What?
0: <laughs> did you see their live stream? They're like, stand yes. awake decade of that?
2: Incredible. Totally. Oh,
1: incredible. So I, what I did was I went, because I work at a... Uh, PA slash backline hire company, and I hired a huge PA. Went mm. to my friend's house. who had a projector, so we set up a PA, sat back, watched the live thing, and I cranked it like it was a live show, like oh. a, with subs and everything. Because like, because at that stage, you know, we were all missing live shows so much, especially yeah. if you're a, a gig goer like like me. I love going to gigs, missing out on it so much. It got to that point of like, I don't care. I just I just want to feel like I'm at a gig, even if just. And I just crank something up really loud. So, Mm. took that opportunity to really kind of make it like a real gig. And holy shit, what a what a live stream! I loved it. It
2: So good. But anyway, sorry, I'll keep going. So,
1: Goliath was the hook. Umbra is the sinker. Okay. For sure. And the next album is by Cog called The New Normal. Mm -hmm. The hook is Real Life, track one of the New Normal, and the sinker is The Doors. which is track 10 off that album and it's like a 10 minute song they oh, used yeah. to open with the doors and it used to be my favorite part of the gig because lucius the drummer he has a massive like gong next to him and he uses it for one song which is this and the intro so the whole intro is just swaying for the first like three minutes and just anticipating him to hit this gong and he's like come on hit it, hit it and you're waiting for this excruciatingly long time especially when you're at a gig like three minutes is a very, very long time. It's probably yeah. not even that. It's probably like two minutes, but it feels like two hours. And you're just waiting for him to hit this gong. And when he finally does, everyone's just like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's such a great opener for a set because it's still a 10-minute song, but the way they build, and this is very much prog, like COG is the, probably the prog um, band out of all of these ones that I've chosen. But that song in particular, the way the thing ebbs and flows, the way they bring in certain melodies back, and I've taken... A lot of inspiration, and I'm heavily influenced by Cog's songwriting. Mm. Not so much. I'm not like much of a lyric person because they they tend to get quite preachy and a bit not preachy in terms of religious, but they're very anti-politics and anti-government that kind of thing. Yeah, which is fine, but I just don't really connect with it too much. I'm more of like a internal person. Like I I like lyrics that are very um, not so preachy. Really, Mm. that's all it is. But yeah, the doors sick. Uh, the next album is The Butterfly Effect, the band. It's called The Butterfly Effect, another Aussie, Aussie band Classic. that did the, did the rounds. Loved them. Another, another Queensland band. Yes. Uh, <laughs> their album begins here. It's their first album. I got into the EP, and then when this album came out, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a solid album. Start to finish, all good songs. So the hook here is Consequence, which is track three off the uh, album. Really cool. And then the sinker is Feeling Silence, track eight, I believe. A little bit different for them. They kind of went a little proggier with, with Feeling Silence and it has this middle section that's very kind of Deftones-esque and I love Tones. So that's that. We went through *Sunflower* and Silverchair is the last one, uh, yes. Diorama. And I've mentioned it so many times, it just takes me away to all the special places. If I'm ever feeling bad or if I've had a tough day or something happened or if I just need to just get away from life, this is the album mm. without a doubt full-stop. Daniel Johns is probably someone, I would, if I had like a bucket list of people to work with, he would be up the top. His brain is just something else. He hears things in a certain way that not any of these bands, as amazing as these songwriters are, and that blows that blow my mind, he's on a different planet. He's, I don't know, for me he has this way of creating a scene, he has a way of being able to express himself through the, his music but in the most pure an unadulterated way like his what he writes and what he sings is so i don't know it just pierces through my soul Mm. (laughs) without sounding too you know uh in depth about it it's it's it does and that's just a special album for me um so the the hook is across the night first track instantly takes you to this wondrous place you like you watch the film clip that's that's what it feels like and the sinker is Chinner in the brine probably my favorite song on the album Track six, I believe.
2: Nice.
1: Um, That's a very prog album because it goes everywhere. It goes really, like dynamically, it goes really intense and then it just whittles down. And it's like, and when I talk about the sonics as well, like they use orchestration really well. And when I say orchestration, not so much in terms of like an orchestra, but the way they've chosen the right instruments and what timbre those instruments hold. So like if it's something really really emotive part, they might use really thin sounding instruments like flutes and like a harp or something that's really high, but not like a double bass or like a cello or anything like that. Not, not something with heaps of body or timpanies or anything like that. It's too dramatic. But these softer passages where he's singing in falsetto and has that really beautiful breathy tone that he has and that mixing with like the top end of a flute or like a top end of like a, uh, a descending harp line, they're the things that really kind of reinforce his idea or his vision that he had for that particular part. And that's just like... That blows my mind, that kind of stuff. Not so much like, oh, he hit a sick note on his vocals or like, oh, that riff yeah. is sick. It's just everything. So it's more yeah. than that. So, yeah, chair Diorama, get into it.
0: Oh, man. I've learned so much, so much on this episode.
1: <laughs> awesome. This is great. I'm, glad. Yes. I'm so sorry. I just did like 99% of the talking. So. <laughs> no,
0: but like, I'm here to give you a platform so you can educate me and everyone else. So that's the point awesome. of it. It works that's out.
1: That's great. I- it's good to know that, yes, that you did learn something from it because that's obviously this, the intention. 100%. But it's just cool. I genuinely love just talking about music with other music lovers. So it's like,
2: yeah,
1: it's kind of show and tell. And And we usually have this, whenever I meet someone new or we're just talking about music or whatever, we connect on it. I love playing this game of like, have you heard this? Like, <laughs> you, you share, you, you go, have you heard this? Like, and you go, yeah. But, and then you start to think about like what, where they're coming from, and where they listen to it. You go, oh, I feel like this, you like that. And then, like, and then you start creating this little playlist of songs that like you may never heard of, but you, you know, you love because they can hear what you're influenced by and choose accordingly. It's like the best, best Spotify AI you can get.
0: <laughs> literally, literally. Oh, man, that's so cool. All right, well, I'll wrap so you, it up. So you
1: know, you know these albums, right? It's, out of know, those four...
0: Yes, just not... I haven't listened to the Cog album. Gotcha. And obviously not the Sunclotto, but I'm getting yeah, there. Yeah, okay. So this yeah,
1: would be great. Cog, Cog, Cog is by far the proggiest band out of those four. Mm. Um, so if you're into your prog, definitely listen to that album, New Normal. They've got a couple of albums, but that's my favourite for sure.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: Sylvia Massey, who did Tool, produced it. it sounds great it has this really kind of natural organic sound to it and that's what i love about it. it's not like the music that that we just released it's like very much you know edm slash gent slash whatever whereas this is very organic it's just three dudes making sounds and i love that about it and they've created such a huge palette of sounds just with three members and it sounds enormous and Mm. i love it
0: yeah it's definitely i've definitely learned that I guess, the way I grew up and the way I used to consume music um, when I was younger as well, you know, through LimeWire and, and through all that sort of stuff yeah. and, like, friends giving you USBs and, like, discs of music. It was never full albums. It was always, oh, here's my favourite song off of, from this band. Like, you don't know, <laughs> I don't know what album it comes from. I don't know anything. So, like, with COG, I've heard COG before, but I haven't – I couldn't tell you what song it is. It doesn't stick in my brain that way or, like, what album it's from. So – This has been really good to be like, I'm going to listen to a whole album. And not to say I haven't, I don't listen to albums in full or never did, but the bands that I learn about on here, I've heard of all of them. No, their stuff, but like never a full album.
1: Yeah. I think this is a great platform to be able to go, especially when, I talk so much <laughs> i, I don't get out that much so like, if i get an opportunity to talk i will talk ear off uh, especially about this stuff right so because i'm passionate about it i think like by doing these kind of interviews you can actually get a sense of the person that you're interviewing and then use that as kind of like a reinforcement of the suggestion of listening to that album you're like okay you're clearly into prog or like you've listened to these prog Australian prog bands, and I know this one and I know that one, but not know the albums. So I know for a fact that this is going to be good. Yeah. Like it, you know what I mean? Like it's a, such a great. You've got a nice little setup going on here. Like you've got so much music. You got some sweet uh, Suggestions for days.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what last uh, season, which was metal, I did a lot of episodes. This season's not going to go as long. I did like twenty three or whatever, and. Whoa. Obviously, I'd listened to more than 23 albums because I had, you know, double ups, like two guests in one episode. So I had extra to listen to. And I'm like, hang on a minute. For most of it, I wasn't super organized and didn't have, you know, didn't have it all lined up just ready to release. I was like editing and listening and putting it out there. So it was like five month, mu- five month, mu- five months of just like an album or two a week. And like, it was Whoa. crazy. Like, looking back, that was a lot of music. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess he never, he <sighs> never like had a moment where it was like, oh, what do I feel like listening to today? Because he actually had to, or not had, to, but like I had
2: to plan you know it in. I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. that's good. Like I've been, I'll, I'll love that to have suggestions because I, I feel like I'm right now. I feel like I'm going back to old stuff and re-listening to it. I'm not mad about it. Don't yeah. get me wrong, because I love listening to those songs. But I haven't, to be honest, I haven't heard a new band or a new band that's pushed a genre to new areas for a while, I feel like new music these days is a rehashing of older stuff. I mean, this has been happening, is that whole 20-year cycle thing, Mm -hmm. because obviously new metal is kind of in now, because that was 20 years ago, the early 2000s music. You listen to that, and then you listen to stuff that's coming out now with these new bands, it's like, yeah, I can see the correlation there. So I don't know, it's been a while, probably like the latest band that I've heard that has done something really radical or, like, different would be, like, I don't know, Sleep Token, maybe?
0: Oh, yeah. Everyone's raving about them at the moment.
1: Yeah. They're, they're a bit different. They're very much influenced by, like, Tones and that kind of thing. It, I think it all just comes back to Deftones. I just love <laughs> Deftones. Uh, or any band that sounds like them, I love. Uh, I recently just saw Loathe when they toured with While She Sleeps.
2: Oh yes.
1: Another sick band that if anyone of your listeners haven't heard of Loathe, listen to, listen to them. They're sick. Mm. Um, yeah, I saw them play. They do something a bit different too. They kind of, they have this weird punkish slash Dillinger escape plan energy to them. They don't play like them, but they have that energy of like almost not giving a fuck slash punk attitude, but they've got this really tech, polished, technical accuracy of a Meshuggah, you know, with their low tune guitars and whatnot. And so they've got this really nice blend of chaotic and... Really solid tech musicianship, and I just love it. And it's just loose, it feels like not loose as in like technically loose, a musician yeah. loose, as in like the feeling is loose, like yes. I don't know what's going to happen next, and I love that feeling. Yeah, and then they just smash you in the face with this sick riff. I'm like, Whoa, so good, so good.
0: <laughs> oh man, all right. Well, I might wrap it up here. Oh, I almost can't just gather myself to say the last line because that means it's over, but I'm going to do it. Okay, all right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I say the same thing every Get time. Gather yourself. Oh, all right, amazing. There we have it. The one prog album that Ten Furuhashi thinks that you and I should listen to is Between Birth and Death by Sunk Lotto, um, along with the other recommendations. So, Ted, thank you so much for your wisdom. I can't wait to listen to it from your point of view.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I had Literally, I had a blast. This is one of the funnest <sighs> things I've done in like months.
2: I'm so glad.
1: <laughs> it just, yeah. It's fun. I love talking about this stuff. So, thank you so much for having me on. And hopefully, your listeners get something out of it.
0: Well, this is interesting. It's going to lead to my next question, but I'm really quickly going to change the batteries in my Zoom recorder. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Sorry, I'm crapping on so much.
0: <laughs> oh, no, I enjoy it. I like it.